بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وموالا وبعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته All praise and thanks are certainly only due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Choices, peace, blessings and salutations upon our master and exemplar Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum Jazakumullah khairan for joining us on this live broadcast by the Isnad Academy uh, This evening inshallah ta'ala we have a very special guest uh, Shaykha Ruqayyah Samsuddin And uh, I'm excited to have her as a guest on the on the platform because um, I've known her for about as long as I've been studying without necessarily knowing her personally in the sense that, uh, you know, I, I remember back when when I was in, I think, second year and Mala Ali Gouda mentioned that there's a student who's currently studying in Syria and he would love to have her come back and, and um, have her teach at the institute. And I thought that was wonderful, subhanAllah, a, a lady who has really taken the deen and the studies of deen so far. Um, I'm going to speak a bit about her biography with her, subhanAllah. So I'm not going to elaborate too much right now. Uh, needless to say, she is one of the leading uh, female scholars here in Cape Town, South Africa, and I think South Africa in general, uh, who memorized the Qur'an and also then uh, studied to be an alima in, the, in, in Damascus, Syria. Uh, she came back and she accomplished quite a few things, alhamdulillah, including teaching full-time uh, at Darun Naim, where she taught both the males as well as the females, which is quite unique, and uh, was the principal of Jam'iyatul Qurra for a while, um, acting as the principal there, and still involved, and always been involved in Hayth. She's authored a number of works, and she's she's running uh, an institute, the Balsira Institute, and um, along with the Balsira Institute, she's also authored uh, a Hayth guide, which is actually turned into a workshop, which we will be focusing on this evening, inshallah ta'ala. So I'll bring her up in a moment. Um, I do encourage you, if you are watching this, do share it with your family, friends, and especially anyone who's interested in Arabic and in the study of the Qur'an and in Hayth specifically, because there's going to be a lot of information that would be of great benefit uh, to all of you, bi'ithnillah ta'ala. So, khair, uh, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Shaykha Basira, Shaykha of the Basira Institute, Ruqayya Samsuddin, kayf al-hal. And all the viewers and listeners, Alhamdulillah, I must say it's, it's, a, it's a tongue twister, right? Because like everyone else, I'm so accustomed to saying Mu'allima, Mu'allima, Mu'allima. And <laughs> I, I spoke to you about this earlier on. It, it's so unfair, right? Like uh, a lady goes and studies exactly what the man studies, right? The man with very little study sometimes, comes back with a massive title, either he's going to be sheikh or maulana or imam or something. And uh, when the woman comes back, even after like decades of study, she will still be muallima. The guy doesn't, he doesn't get the title muallim, but the lady gets the title muallima. Uh, and yet we have all these other titles for the men. So subhanallah, forgive me if I slip into the muallima thing every now and then, but I know you are not like, Big on titles, right? No, no, subhanAllah, Maulana. You know, you're just opening the talk with this particular topic, <laughs> which is really, you know, something even which I I struggle with because I am really bintul mujtama. I'm really, mm. you know, somebody of the community. I'm also a product yeah. of my own community. So I must um, be honest, sometimes I even struggle. Um, I feel comfortable with Mu'alima. And it's only really the people in the background that assist me, that really insist in terms of really 
um, explaining and really uh, presenting scholarship and making people understand, you know, what we are trying to achieve at Basira. They are the ones that's really pushing to say, you know, say Sheikha. But really, as yeah. you said, Molina, it's something which, um, as a female in the community, is probably a difficult um, title to be. Um, but not speaking for myself, but for every other female to come, inshallah, after me and along with me, I think it is uh, um, only right and fair that we do actually accord proper um, titles to them, um, not for any reason, but so that their um, scholarship can also be recognized. And not only that... Khair. Yeah, yeah so no, that look, the scholarship I, I, can be can be recognized, Molina, but not only yes. that, but so that the audience can understand that okay, if we're going to do X, Y, and Z book under um this person, then there this is go. actually the qualifications. And I think that is important for the audience and the people to understand and what how comfortable or uncomfortable you are at times should take a back seat. No, absolutely. You see, like like I said, um, I myself, I'm, I'm I'm still up until this day. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it openly. I'm still very uncomfortable with Maulana, right? I remember right. being in in afternoon madrasa, and uh, I felt uncomfortable with saying the word Maulana. It felt so Maulana. It's like three syllables, man, compared to like Sheikh. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, um, yeah, yeah. It, it was uncomfortable mm-hmm. for me. And Malaysia Zakaria Philander was actually my my afternoon madrasa teacher at that time. Yes, uh, so he was the first. He was the first Molina that I came to know, right? And I was like, okay, so I have to actually say this whole word. And uh, yeah, so on the one hand, is how you feel about it, and I totally agree with you. You, you don't see yourself in this light, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, you know, this is part of the of the sort of institutionalization of ilm in our time. Uh, that has its pros and cons. So ilm is now sort of formalized uh, where there's certain courses and there's certain qualifications and so on. And the title sort of go along with those qualifications, sometimes rightfully so, sometimes not rightfully so. And it's a way for people to to kind of understand, okay, so if it's a Molina, you did a certain type of course in a certain type of institute, and similarly, uh, a sheikh or a sheikha, et cetera. And uh, it's it's... For the public, I think it's kind of important if you have mm. this type of institutions to go along with it, not because we want that respect to anything like that, but because the the knowledge that we that we are naqil of, man, the knowledge that we are transferring yes. and transmitting, you know, that we are part of this isnad. Yeah. So so that's I think the important part. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves, right? So I uh, like I said, I've known you or about you for a long time and we've always been like acquaintances, we've always like passed each other in always. We taught at the same institute, you know, often I covered for um, you a few times, Molina. Yes, you did. Astaghfirullah, don't uh, embarrass me in public. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I remember at the time I was teaching in Strand and I had to drive through mashallah. to, no, to Mashallah, Mashallah, very busy and you still gave your time to that Naim, Mashallah. Yeah, subhanallah. And that was an achievement in and of itself. Uh, you, you were a teacher. I was astonished, you know, because especially like at your traditional institute where you have mm. a, a, a female teacher, a sheikha teaching both the males as well as the females. And Marshall, it was handled so well. I think it was really brilliantly handled. So, you know, mm. kudos for that. I'm sure that was an interesting experience for you as well. 
It definitely was. Alhamdulillah, it definitely was an interesting experience. Um, I think because I also came off uh, teaching at the Jamaat al-Qura for a couple of years. I served as the Hifth principal and then the Hifth consultant. Then coming from that environment, which is a, a dif- different environment, coming mm. in, into Dar Naim, Alhamdulillah, it was definitely an, a unique experience for me, Alhamdulillah. But I definitely, you know, learned so much from that opportunity. And also, um, I taught, Alhamdulillah, Maulana Ali gave me the opportunity to teach Quran as all yeah. the other teachers taught. He gave me the opportunity to teach Aqeedah and and and. And I also taught um, hadith. Um, but in mm. the one year, subhanAllah, that was very unique for two years, actually. I mm. taught a book in Hayd Alibana, uh, which was really a mm. first, I think, for an institution where they actually yes. had an entire subject solely focused on Hayd Istahada and Nifas, which actually was taught over the entire year. And, you know, that Brilliant. was a great achievement. But I think there, Maulana, really shows that in some areas, in some areas, um, female is just better to, to, to equip to teach because I, pref- I remember Absolutely. the previous teacher who used to teach, he was a Maulana, and he said, right. he said something along the lines of, Ma'alim Ruqayya, you have to teach the subject. I feel like I'm getting my Hayd already. SubhanAllah. <laughs> So, so, so definitely, you know, certain areas we we need the males, and certain areas we need the females more as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've taught uh, that particular kitab, not not that, that kitab, but I mean the, the kitab out of the book of fiqh, you know, in general. And it is always so theoretical because I mean I have no idea what I'm talking about. I can tell you what the book says, I can translate mm. the words, but mm. I mean this color, that color, this is like, what, what do you, you know, I have no idea. Mm. So it's brilliant. And, and mashallah for that. So let, let's go back all the way. Um, like I said, when I was studying, then I heard when Ali said, oh, there's this, uh, there's this young student. She, she learned to have that at the late Sheikh Yusuf Bully, rahimahullah ta'ala. And uh, she then went off to Syria. And that's all I knew, you know, and I thought, yo, mashallah, this is, this is really great. Um, I'm, I'm, I must say, I have a lot of I have a lot of very good jealousy for you and your journey that you had, mashallah, having studied Hayf at such a young age with one of the, the legends, you know, uh, the legend Yusuf Bouli, mashallah. And then having the opportunity to go to Syria and actually study there for, for a number of years where you met and sat at the feet of many of the teachers whose books I studied as a student, you know. Which um, I had no idea at the time, Olana, subhanAllah. I just went I as a youngster and I think a lot of who my teachers truly were really sunk in when I returned to South Africa, right. subhanAllah. No, that, that's just amazing because, I mean, I, we read all these books and while I was studying, I didn't even know many of the authors were still alive. And as I came to discover that they were alive... I grew uh, in, in yearning to meet them and to, to go and study with them. By the time I completed my studies, it was practically impossible because, mm. you know. The, uh, we all know about the difficulty in yeah, terms salam. of entering Syria, subhanAllah. So you had such an amazing journey, mashallah. So take us through that. Uh, as, as I know you probably spoke about this many times before, but just in brief, from the time you went to go and study Hiv uh, and then, you know, your journey along uh, that path, inshallah. SubhanAllah, really, um, it's, it's such a, a long journey. And I mm. think I just want to mention this very short uh, snippet, inshallah, in terms of memory. And then I'll briefly, you know, go through the rest of my studies. But I need to mention this. And that was, um, you know, at the very beginning when I started, 
did have in 96. It wasn't hmm. a decision that I took upon myself. Or my mother actually said, you know, Luqaya, do you want to learn? I was at Sheikh Puli as a normal student in the afternoon. And Sheikh Puli is the one who came to me and asked me, would you like to do Hiv? And any student of Hiv would know that that was quite uncommon. It's normally the student who wants to or the parents. Right. I came home and I said to my mom, um, you know, Sheikh Puli asked if I want to learn Hiv. Then I said, yes, because you don't say no to Sheikh Puli. Sheikh Puli say, hmm. you know, Jump, you ask how high. So I said right, yes. Right. But alhamdulillah, not knowing that that was the beginning of, you know, subhanAllah, my life completely changing. Alhamdulillah. For how old were you at the time? I was, I was 11 years old at the time oh, when Allah, the question was asked and I started doing it. But now I'm giving a timeline actually, Maulana. <laughs> so I'm giving too much information away. But what I want to mention, Maulana, is so my mother didn't say anything. Then later on in the week, I heard on the radio station, VOC, and mm. then she was saying that when she was hamil with my sister, um, she had my sister, and then she fell hamil with me again eight months after she gave birth, and she made dua that I would be a boy, she would name me Ni'matullah, but not for the reasons you think, Molina, in the terms of Jailiyah, and they wanted a boy, but they didn't want a girl. No, they wanted, she wanted a, a, a son, Ni'matullah, so that you could learn Hif. Because at oh, the time, when she was hamil with me in 84, basically 83, 84, my, females didn't really do hip, right? So really when I was born, she was, away, but just saying. Subhanallah. So anyway, for the sake of the story. So it was in the 80s. Right. So at the end of the day, uh, what happened was that she actually, um, uh, so when I was born, she said, you know, another girl, khalas, the story and the, uh, mm. of me becoming half, it wasn't really going to be materialized. Mm, mm, mm. And then... Subhanallah, when I came home that day, she said she remembered that dua that she made when she yes, was hiding yeah. with me. And she completely forgot about that dua for the years, like 11 years basically since I was born. And then I always mention that story. And then I remember the words of Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, when he says, أَتَهْزَأُ بِالدُّعَاءِ وَتَزْدَرِيهِ وَمَا تَدْرِي بِمَا صَنَعَ الدُّعَاءُ سِهَامُ اللَّيْلِ لَا تُخْطِئْ وَلَكِنْ لَهَا أَمَدٌ وَلِلْأَمَدٍ قِضَاءُ I love that poem mm. because it reminds me of my mother that when he mm. says, you know, do you mock and ridicule dua whilst you do not know the full power of dua that the arrow at night, it doesn't miss its target but it travels mm. a distance and it will eventually meet it, uh, you know, reach its target so this is the dua of my mother, subhanAllah so what happened was, alhamdulillah, I went to Adil uh, Hifz under Sheikh Yusuf Bully at a time where... Um, in the late 90s, when females didn't really do uh, full-time hif, alhamdulillah. Right. I completed under Sheikh Yusuf Bully. I was the only female for two years under Sheikh Yusuf Bully. And alhamdulillah, I'd like to think that I was part of those who, as you know, started that good sunnah in the community where females started uh, doing hif full-time, alhamdulillah. Right. Um, thereafter, I went it's to... It's strange. It's strange that there was a time not so long ago where it was not common to find... Uh, completely uncommon, Molina. Completely uncommon. I'm telling you, Molina, because in the in the late 90s when I started doing Hif, it was only myself and I remember Sheikh Muhammad Adams of St. Athens Road. He was teaching Hif and for to females full time, and I think Sheikh um, uh, Khabir, Sheikh um, Fuad Khabir, was also teaching females. But those oh, those were basically the the three shuyukh who were teaching females full time that we were we knew about, and 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 Subhanallah, um, that really changed a lot. Um, you know, after that, especially in my third year of Hif, 
a lot of other females started com- coming. Maalima Radia Bawa, you know, she became she was full time. Maalima mm. Fadwa Solomon, people in the community, they started coming afterwards and doing hifz full time as well. Alhamdulillah. So wow. um, yes, that 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 was really that period in terms of hifz Maulana. Thereafter, I went back to school. I went to high school. And then I completed matric, and then thereafter um, I went to to Syria. And even Subhanallah, my decision to go to Syria it wasn't like okay, okay, okay. Just, just, just one, one moment, right? Okay. That in and of itself must have been like a unique thing because, again, yes. the transition, um, taking your child out of school was maybe something that that boys did, but you know, take your your daughter out of school and then send her back to high school. So that in and of itself was like a big thing, isn't it? Mm. It was, especially as my family is quite academic. Alhamdulillah, um, you know, both sides quite academic. Um, so, so that was um, also a challenge at the time. Or right. you actually reminding me of memories that I completely <laughs> forgot. Subhanallah, at the time, it's it's it changed a lot now. Now, if you say you're learning hif, it's like mashallah, you're learning hif. But at that time, if you say you're learning hif. A math, inshallah, but that is that is that was the reality of that time. To say yeah, you learn yeah. is basically equivalent uh, to you saying that you couldn't make it at school academically. You couldn't yeah. make it like yes. you just you couldn't make yeah. it. You were failing at the, school. The, the delinquents go so, and study hiv and go send they get sent to madrasa. that to mentality was strong. So there was a yeah, lot of yeah. social pressure at the time to even continue with academics and not be doing hiv. I remember even I was. Uh, in doing my my sixth Jews, I was still in my first year and I was busy with my, with my sixth Jews. And somebody asked me, what standard are you? That time it was standard. It wasn't grades yet. Right. And instead of me explaining a long story, subhanAllah, Allah forgive me, I just said, um, I'm standard four. Because I was, I was standard four. I was standard four at the time. Or standard five, right. six, seven. Yeah, I was standard five. So I just said I'm standard five. Just to like, subhanAllah, as a youngster, I didn't feel like I wanted to deal with the looks yes. of pity and shame. Right, she right. couldn't make it. So mm. so that just shows like the kind of context that was still prevailing at that time. And alhamdulillah, things have changed so much now uh, yeah. for the better. Okay, so now uh, you, you finish your health. And I believe you did it in, in two years, mashallah. Um, and you've got the, the Quran. Where on earth did you get the idea, let's just jump on a plane and go to Syria and uh, throw myself in a madrasa? Like, who does that in the time? Subhanallah, especially that? at that time. Especially yeah, not to yeah. Syria. Maybe yeah. to Egypt or Medina. I agree, Maulana, subhanallah. Like I said, everything was just, subhanallah, divinely inspired and divinely planned. Alhamdulillah, I come from a home where my parents, you know, were both involved in Quran, involved in, you know, in deen. And my mommy was a mu'alima in the community. My father was... Mm. Working at Omichul all the years, but very much involved in learning Quran and learning Arabic at the, you know, the, the shuyukh in the community. So mm. I had mm. that environment and that support mm. from the home, definitely. Allah um, grant him genital for those. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, and to my teacher, Sheikh Yusuf Bali as well. Alhamdulillah, I mean, because really was the catalyst for, for, for everything, mashallah, as well. So was it his suggestion? Like, did he say, okay, send it to Syria? Sheikh Bali said, um, you know, when... I was doing hifz. He was like, um, you need to um, come back and, you know, look after the female hafizat in the community. That was like right, really his right. dream. And to have like a, 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 you know, somebody strong in terms of the female hifz, uh, fraternities. That was really his dream. And he wanted me really to study further and to take dean further. That was his dream. In terms of a country, um, not really. He just said, you know, 
choose whatever country and inshallah we'll say to you mashallah Allah grant him happiness in Jannah and for all the work that Basira is doing may Allah grant him the reward in full amen and his wife and his family that supported him mashallah and my parents that were always there alhamdulillah but in terms of my 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 choice of study Maulana Again, I'm I'm telling you, like Molina, you know my background. I come from a modest background. I never dreamed one day that I would even be flying to Joburg, let alone flying to Damascus, <laughs> Syria. So yeah. I remember, subhanAllah, reading a book and I was reading about a Sahaba, Budarda. He's walking mm. in the cobblestone, you know, streets of Damascus. And I was thinking to myself when I was a youngster, Alhamdulillah, I loved reading something in my parents. And I thought to myself, subhanAllah, um, how I'd love to be studying one day in Damascus or just to be in Damascus. But at that time, mm. I thought, Damascus, like, you can't even get to Johannesburg. What are you yeah, thinking yeah. about Damascus? And again, speaking about dua there. And then I remember walking in Damascus and then I thought, subhanAllah, so the Dariha of Abu Darda, just next to Suqul Jumaa. You know, with the said the he was buried right next to the Sukul Juma'a, um, Sukul yes, Hamadiya in Damascus. And I remembered the, the book I was reading and I said, Subhanallah. But taking a step back and my decision um to, to study uh in, in in Damascus specifically, I wanted to study overseas. And of course the popular choices was Egypt, um and then mm. Medina and Makkah is generally difficult for females to get in. Um Egypt mm. was a definite, you know, option. Malaysia right. was there, Jordan was there. And then um, a couple of people spoke to me about this ancient civilization, this mm. preserved Arab and Islamic culture, the gem of the East. And I was right. like, Syria? here. And then I started like, you know, I, something, subhanAllah, I didn't know much. I just was, I was, I was in high school, matric at the time. Mm. But my heart just, you know, became fixated and I just became, I yearned to go to Syria, alhamdulillah. Mashallah. And then, um, then the decision was Syria. And then Syria was like, you know, nobody knows anything about Syria. And then at mm. the time, there was some connection with Sheikh uh, Aminullah Abdurraouf and his wife. Right, uh, right. Now known as Umm um, Abdullah. At the time, I knew her as Mia. Mm -hmm. So they really facilitated, you know, our, our, our travel, myself and Muallima Ma'arab Razak and our fathers traveled with us the first time to Syria. And, and Alhamdulillah, when we got to Syria, um, what really I loved about Syria and my parents also was that it was a very um, closed environment, very sheltered environment. They wouldn't right. allow students like us, which were young females, to come and remain in Syria and basically live on their own. We had to be mm -hmm. placed, if we wanted to study at Abu Nur Institute, we had to be placed in one of the dormitories, alhamdulillah. Right. So there was either Darul Hajibiya or Darul Quran. And so we were, there wasn't placed at Darul Hajibiya. One of the, the first words I heard in Syria was, it's not good news and yeah. then you know there's no place there's no place and that, then it's the, almost the, like the, you're not welcome go away subhanallah <laughs> but then when i looked inside the dormitories there was a lot of makan there was a lot of yes. place so then they called us in myself and muallima mayra and the asses are we half and we're like, yes, we have you. And we're like, okay, maybe this is our way in. And then right. they asked us, can you recite the beginning of Surah Yasin, Waqi'ah, Surah Kahf? And then they said, oh, <laughs> then they we have you. And then suddenly, mashallah, there was Makan. But okay, really, all, again, speaking about how the It's Quran almost like testing your shahada. Like when you get to Makkah, they ask you, you look a bit too white to get in here. So it's just, you know, shahada or something like that. Subhanallah, yes, no? subhanallah. And then, you know, at the time, I was thinking, 
okay so definitely the quran paved our way into darul hajibia so by you know by, by understanding as well into uh, um, the institute uh, of abu nur mm. which is uh, one of the famous institutes for learning arabic and then also allowed us to stay in syria but beyond that at the time as a youngster all i thought was subhanallah you could have tested any kiptonian that would have been able to recite this, <laughs> this, is not hip, this is i, like, I was you thinking know, like you're testing the surahs that like you know much more than Popular just the i would know right right no, exactly But um, I think that is also the 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 the, the understanding or the, the fact that they weren't really connected to I think even the level of Quran and and Sharia and Deen in Cape Town. So Hamza, mm. we were um, very excited to to actually um, land a place in uh, uh, Darul Hajibia, and so that was really the beginning of my stay and my, my studies. In the blessed lands of Damascus, alhamdulillah. Okay, so we, we have some comments coming in. Uh, we got some love being shared by Shafiqa Dali, Tasneem Idris. Um, your sister's also with us here, yeah, mashallah. And uh, then I think this must be one of your colleagues saying, Assalamualaikum. Oh, subhanallah. Afsha Muhammad, yes, I've done some things with her in um, London. She's based in London. Very, okay, very, very good friend of myself uh, from Damascus. And, you know, just on that point, Damascus was such a unique opportunity up until today. You know, I don't want to compete with other countries, but the the friendships and the the connection between the Syrian sisters and the you know the, the students are in Damascus was completely unique if i used Mashallah. to walk along the streets in Damascus in Suqul Jumaa or in you know Abu Nur area anywhere around the student area which was really the entire area there at Abu Nur was yes. a student area if i if i didn't know the the person personally if i didn't know the female student personally i would at least know her by face you know there would be a nod shared between each other an acknowledgement assalamu alaikum it would be near impossible for me to be walking next to somebody or past somebody and i did not know them at all and i think this okay. was an, a unique uh, you know aspect of damascus which i i do need to share with the community you know subhanallah in in ramadan The, the Syrians used to come to the dormitories to look for the foreign students, to give them sadaqah, you know, to give oh, them wow, assistance. Michelle. So they really loved the foreign students in Damascus. And also, even among the students themselves. It's so weird when you say foreign students, right? Now, remember, I studied locally. So when I hear foreign students, I'm thinking about the Malaysians. Everybody that's not from Cape Town is like foreign students. And yet, in that situation, you were the foreign students. We were the foreign students. And also know and appreciate, Molina, that in Syria, if we were five South Africans in a given year, then we were a lot. You know, there Indeed. wasn't there wasn't more than ten at any given time, uh, and in terms of students, I think it was like six or seven at any given time from South Africa. And to be honest, wow. Molina, that is probably one of the reasons why I also loved being in um, um, Damascus. Why? Because I didn't have that sponge and that comfort zone, so to say, mm. of saying I'm going to live in Jazeera, Janub Africa, fi Dimashq. I'm going to right. live in, in the South African island in Damascus. And so I'm right. not going to work on my lugha, on my language. I'm not going to hone my, lang my linguistic skills. I'm just going to be comfortable with my own people and come mm. back, you know, having studied books, read books, but I didn't really, you know, converse in Arabic. I didn't really immerse myself in a different right. culture. In the culture, the culture and, and that is what I really, really loved and uh, enjoyed, subhanAllah, no, about mashallah. Damascus. That's really great, and and um, Allah increase you in that. And like I, I said mean, at the I beginning, mean. I have so much uh, really good jealousy for for your journey and everything, because I mean, I I can I can't say those things. 
not only did I not have that opportunity, I didn't even stay at the madrasa. I was like, no, I'm going home. I'm going to drive in. <laughs> and I drove from, uh, from retreat to Strand. Um, well, first to Weinberg. But, but okay, so there's a, there's a huge lack. I mean, if you study locally, the one, the one big thing that you lack is, of course, um, getting away from, from your, your own environment. And then, like you said, submerging yourself in, in a different culture and really just getting to grips with the speaking. Like when, when people speak Arabic around me, I can understand, alhamdulillah, but I will be very hesitant to start speaking because then I sound like an idiot because I don't know. Uh, firstly, I'm going to be slower to, to, to translate the, the words into Arabic. That's the one thing. And then secondly, I'm also going to not necessarily use the correct vocabulary. Like you'll have three or four words for one thing, then mm. I'll maybe use the wrong one and sound like Shakespeare mm. and be like, okay, that guy is clearly one of the Arabic students. And this day, so, you know, yeah, you end up just like uh, listening and okay, it's, uh, but no, Malala, inshallah, Malala, I'm but sure you, great. You, you're great, mashallah. I'm sure you're great. But I do understand no, you 100%. Subhanallah. Yeah. I do no, understand and, and, what you're saying. And, and what you came back with, I mean, it's not just the ilm. Like, I. I do not, subhanAllah, no matter what I come to discover about any institution and studies and syllabi overseas, never have I ever felt like uh, what I gained and what was offered to us uh, as local students was like kind of inferior. But what I do, what I do feel is that, you know, there's an experience, man, of being like uh, a student of Dean that goes beyond the classroom, that goes beyond the textbooks. Uh, it's about... Uh, this experience of tawakku You're away from your family, okay. from your friends From income, from support um, You go through the good times And the bad times Like you said, you were like five Capetonians in the old place That is amazing So that experience is like priceless man And uh, mashallah, you know so yeah, a lot of good jealousy coming away From my side, mashallah, Allah increase Subhanallah so, um, uh, I, I hear what you're saying But mashallah, um you know, your institute and your, you know, mashallah, your contribution in the community is well known, mashallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us sincerity in everything Amin, that Europe. we do. Amin, Ya So, okay, yeah, there's some more love coming to you. I'm just going to leave some comments on the screen while I tell you some things. So now you're in Syria and you have uh, your journey started. Now you spent a good number of years. I think it was like six years, if I'm not mistaken. And um, that's a long time, subhanAllah. Did you, did you come did you come home during that time? Did you did you stay there for a prolonged period of time? Uh, who was with you? Did you have any family with you there? Or was it just like you alone among those friends of yours? And how did you cope? How did you sort of fit in? Was it a struggle for you? Subhanallah, Maulana. You know, when you ask me that, it's like I feel like I need to make up stories of, of struggling emotionally. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, Maulana. Subhanallah. At the beginning, my father, yes, and my father and also Mu'alima Mayra Abdurazak, we said we traveled together along with her father, Alhamdulillah. Right. And um, it wasn't easy, probably at the beginning. It was a bit of a culture shock. Just arriving in Syria, everything is brown, the buildings are not painted, everything is just like drab and like colorless so that right. is a little bit in terms of culture shock it does kind of put some damper on your spirits mm, but subhanallah like i think um <laughs> you know there was one more called city mall it was three um three levels at the time i know mobile was better than it subhanallah yes, hello. Um, so so there was nothing there was no kfc there was nothing right. i mean at that time but in terms of like there wasn't even like chocolate or lunch bowl or kick wow. or the Molina, because you have to understand that there wasn't really relation, so to say, between Syria and sure. the West. 
they pride themselves kind of, of of being like uh, you know kind of um relying on themselves self-reliant so even in terms of food and the products we were very limited in terms of the foods that there was but alhamdulillah we like we ate the Syrian food that was all great and healthy alhamdulillah but you know Molina, you're asking me in terms of just like being away from family like i said i had my mm. family at the beginning they kind of just settled us in and then they returned but i think for me um i loved i totally completely loved the environment from day yes. one i loved the environment you know i came into the the dormitory they were making salat night and everybody was making it together it was you know and because myself and Muhammad Maro, we were the hafid ones so we were the ones who were supposed to stand up and make it and stand in front and you know we were just got in the dormitory so we were like you know we need to put the best foot forward as right, well right, right. so subhanallah it was Must all give like, you a makan. Subhanallah, subhanallah. But that was amazing, Maulana. But just imagine that, like for example, in 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 uh, Ramadan after Ramadan, we're going yes to the masajid, and Maulana, you're going to the masjid like 50 steps from uh, from the Darul Hajibiyah was the masjid of Muhammad Ratib Nablusi. He was our cool. lecturer at um, Al Fatih University, but his mosque was there, so we used to go there. You know, uh, further down in Mizza was um, Sheikh Muhammad Saad Ramadan Al Bulti. You know, he wow. was there every Thursday night. Rahim Subhanallah. Allah. You know, and then just like up the the souk where I was um, in Souq Al Jumaa, which is like literally a hundred feet from my dormitory in Damascus everything is so close subhanallah that is why we were such a close student community so even the a hundred meters up by me was you know Jamia ibn al-Arabi where Sheikh Muhammad Yaqubi used to be there and every yes, you know um, 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 summer holiday used to recite like Sahih Muslim Sahih Bukhari mm. used to recite for Ijazadi subhanallah and so Ajib. that entire <coughs> area was like always alive with ilm and besides the ilm I just loved I think the culture and the lugha and uh, the everything, the environment. And and just one thing that I wanted to mention, just after Ramadan, we have like we, on the day of Eid, they would be like the, the, the Malaysians would be known for having an open house um, on, on Eid. Open house okay. literally means the bait, which is normally a bait Arabi, which is like, if you come in, it's like an open space. Upstairs right. would be like the roof and you can see everything in Damascus. But you can literally walk into the, to the Malaysian house, student's house, whether you know them, whether you don't know them. But Alhamdulillah, you know, I, I was long. They One of the students were long. So they all knew me and I knew them. And they liked us because we looked like them. Alhamdulillah. Oh, mashallah. And we knew a few words. <laughs> Tuli, spacha, you right, know. Right, just right, a few words there, subhanAllah. <laughs> yes. Pisang also. Khair. So, so, so the point of it is, on, in, 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 on the day of Eid, you can walk into any Malaysian house, Molina, and you can just have a meal to eat. You can have a meal to eat. And then they'll have, like, entertainment. So then the, the, the Malaysian or Singaporeans will put up, like, a silat show, which is, like, a kind of a Asian karate, subhanAllah, right. martial art display. Don't and say Asian karate. That's, sh- like, an insult to the... To the martial okay. arts. Subhanallah. <laughs> I forgot, Valina, this is your, this is your um, area of expertise. So, you know, subhanallah. But I remember that. I remember that on, on Eid. Every Eid, they would do that. Subhanallah. Right, so what right, is right. it? A martial art. So did you say, Malina? Yeah, yeah. It's a type of martial art. So like uh, karate is one type of martial arts and then silat would be another. But, uh, you know, subhanallah, it's like I read uh, as, as textbooks now. I mean, uh, there was uh, Dr. Muhammad Saeed Ramadan al-Buti, rahimahullah ta'ala, and uh, Dr. Nuruddin Aitar, Has- uh, Muhammad Hassan Hito. These are all... And 
it's like, you know, the opportunity to meet any of them was always like a once in a lifetime thing. When Sheikh Muhammad Yaqubi came and he read the Arba'een of Imam Nawawi, we rushed, you know, bought our Arba'een. I think I was like in second year or something. Subhanallah, Mawlana, khair. You remind yeah, me of the story. For us, it was, it was such uh, rare opportunities, right? Um, to meet with these scholars and, and just interact with them and, and receive ijazat and so on. And then you guys had this on, on a daily basis. And uh, a while ago, after I graduated, a good couple of years ago, I, I started reading some some literature with um, Sheikh Ibrahim Moos, who also, as you know, was, was in Syria. And, and he could tell me stories about these scholars. And it was like, you know, subhanallah, uh, these are people I only know them through their words So you know The fact that we have Individuals such as yourself And Sheikh Ibrahim And these You guys are now Our isnad To, to these scholars and, and we really Our community I think we don't take Enough advantage Of the ilm um, That we have at our disposal So I'm so happy Like really Wallahi I'm happy to see uh, The Basira Institute um, thriving, mashallah, and, and and your programs. That every time I see a program of yours, I really get happy. That's why I contacted you about this one. I was actually driving home, I think, from the masjid one night or one day, and I heard it in the radio. And I see, you know, great stuff, man. Uh, it's it's like this is what you call woman power, man. Um, you know, women are, are fighting for all sorts of rights, and people can fight for whatever rights they want. But this is the honor that women gave Islam, and and you know. Control that honor that de- that you deserve to to have, man. Like take it and own it and and uh, live it and share it among others and really be proud of of of, of that honor. So uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there, mashallah. Okay, so you said you had a story that you thought of. Bismillah. No, Malina, you know there's a million stories, but I'm gonna just you know confine myself to this one story. You talking about Sheikh Muhammad Yaqubi coming to Cape Town? Subhanallah, again, as I said, I went when I was 18 years old. I didn't fully understand the level of scholarship that I was getting. I just knew that, mashallah, they were great scholars in Syria. But I remember, so my friend, Amina Khawaja and I, so in the morning, Maulana, before Fajr, in Damascus, in Rukunuddin, which is the really the student area, before Fajr, is around 4 o'clock, half past 4 then I used to come down from my house with my phone. And then I used to put my flashlight on because it was still dark. Then I would get right. her at the bottom, knock her awake, or she'd be awake waiting. And then I'd get her and then we continue walking down with the flashlight. But subhanAllah, with no concern for our safety because that was a non-issue in, in Syria. And then we'd walk to Sheikh Muhammad Yaqub's house, which was just like, Allah five Allah. minutes from my house basically you know five minutes from my house three minutes from her house and then we would walk in and then there would be the room for the ladies and there'd be the room for the men and then we would study wow. we studied at the time tafsirul jalalain and him and we also read you know as you said the 40 hadith and also sahih muslim but he lived like right there by the by, the, by my dormitory subhanallah like literally a 20, 20 meters, 30 meters was, was, was too much. So this was the proximity of the ulama in terms of, you know, the institutions of knowledge and how Masha they Allah. freely gave of the time. So this was all before Fajr. And of course, the reason for that, you know, is many. One of the reasons was that even in Syria at the time and like many of the Arab countries kind of have that, you know, uh, a common feature that sometimes in terms of teaching deen, uh, you have to kind of try to teach sometimes under the radar 
um, especially mm. if you're teaching traditional sciences. So that was kind of, right. you know, the unspoken kind of um, challenges that you also faced being a student. Yeah, but yeah. Alhamdulillah, we managed with that. And Alhamdulillah, we, we really, you know, we overcame that. So that is why we also, you, you know, used to go to his home before Fajr in the darkness. It's like the Sahaba so in, the, in the time of Makkah, you know, going to, to, to Dar al-Arqam with Rasulullah sallam and achieve like uh, subhanallah that's really wonderful and, and i mean okay yeah yeah sorry continue I yeah, just, uh, this is last story and then you know when we used to come out of university like at the time of sheikh ibrahim was his time sheikh muhammad sa'ad ramadan bought actually taught in the undergraduate program in my time he was teaching in the oh, postgraduate nice. program but we had access to him at the masjid because he used to teach right. on a weekly basis but all the time, like sometimes as students who just go sit in the postgraduate class because you, you know. just walk in just to see him and to, you know, get some of his mashallah's barker. Yeah, yeah. And I used to remember when he used to come out and he used to love wearing, like, he used to wear suits, mashallah. Yes, like a, yes, like yes. different for me from being ca- from Cape Town. Expect, you know, a certain look. Well, different for your time blue. in Cape Town. You remember the ulama in Cape Town used to be like three-piece suits, dressed to the nines. Hey, nah, you look at nah, any nah, photo nah, of, nah. of of uh, Imam Harun, ta'ala, you'll see that man is always in a suit. So there was a time, there was a time. There was a time. <laughs> but in, in my time, so when I right. used to see him at, uh, at Al-Fatih University, which was in... Um, in Damascus, but a bit f- further out in Jamia uh, Alayubul in Sari in an area called Zahira. So mm. um, then I used to see him coming out with his with his blue, like a, a navy blue, royal blue kind of a suit with his red kufiya, subhanAllah. Right, right. And then the, subhanAllah, the students used to surround him. At the time, wow. I knew he was a great alien, but I didn't fully appreciate who he was. And I used to also follow and, you know, hear his nasiha and attend his class when he comes to the university and go to Jamia Iman in Meza when he's teaching, you know, at, at night in the, in the week. But I think really, Molina, when it, it was when I returned to South Africa and I realized that the, I would say one of the top, if not the top institute, you know, of, of teaching and you know, molding um, ulama in the community, the Strand Institute, a lot of the books were, were you know, authored or the works of Sheikh Ramadan book. Hey. And then I realized, subhanAllah, like these are the opportunities. <laughs> How fortunate you and are. I, subhanAllah, like that's how I say, alhamdulillah, thum alhamdulillah. You know, like I said, it wasn't just the fact that we read a book or we studied a book. And this, I'm not saying it for myself. I'm saying for the opportunity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted us. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so, you know, subhanAllah grateful for that because it was the experiences, you know, the high, like you say, you really take from the the state of the people, you know, the condition. And they have an ajib state. They have an ajib state. Like all of them, like every Syrian alim of that caliber that I've ever met, like you go into the company and just like, Okay, this guy's biased. You know, I just I need to be a, it, it's achieve it's, it's just something else. I don't know to to have lived in that for so many years. Like uh, some of the comments here are, are stating. Let me just show you this. Some again, like you know, the sisters they love their arts, mashallah. And then uh, Sister Tasneem, Idri saying fortunate. Some more arts there. And look, I like this one. Wonderful that we can connect with Basira Institute via Isnad Academy. I just, that's a nice one. Yeah. Uh, Allah strengthen the bonds for your sake. And uh, while I leave this comment up there, I want to also say that, so, you know, my experience with with, uh, Dr. Muhammad Zaid Ramadan al-Bouti, I didn't know uh, the person, number one, I didn't know he was alive. I didn't know who he was. I, I just knew. Yeah, yeah, subhanAllah. And I was, was I got to third year. through the university like normal, subhanAllah, I used to walk through the corridors. 
But my, my exposure, my first exposure to him was two books, Kubra Al-Yakiniyat Al-Kawniya and Fiqusira. So I'm reading this book and now this is now after Sikhinia and I'm sitting with my mutala'a and I just, who's this guy, man? Like, what's his problem? Like, why must he be so difficult? <laughs> why Why can't he just say something say so... That, but I feel like he's very <laughs> apt in his language. Don't you think he's no, extremely exact? Really exact. Uh, uh, mi'a mi'a. Like, okay, so mm. that, was, that was at the beginning, man. Like, when I just started out, yes, and it was just year, like second year, tedious. Second year. Second year level. And then when I got into it, and by the time I reached the middle of, of Fikusiro, I was in love with the book. There's no, I for me, if I want to go check out a lesson from the life of the Prophet, I don't go to any other book before I go to Fikusiro. Um, just like bedobbed everything, you know, so precise. Arabic was, was really, really beautiful. And, um, and you know, so you're talking about his Arabic. It was a known thing in Damascus that when mm. Sheikh Saad Ramadan Bulti was done teaching at Jamal Iman, uh, usually on a Thursday evening, when he was done teaching, uh, it was like a fakhr in Syria. It was like the pride of Syria. That's why he's called wow. Nasim Sham, right? He's called Nasim Sham. He's, mm. you know, the breeze of Sham. He was like the fakhr yeah. of Sham. You know, he was like the, the pride of Damascus and he still is, subhanAllah. So it was a, a, a point of pride that they used to say, Allah rahamu, that when he's done lecturing, no editing required. Just, you know, they Allah used to just, you know, Akbar. record and sell his, his, his recordings. Absolutely. And, and, and subhanAllah, as an Arab, uh, especially for us as non-Arabs listening to mm. him, it's so easy to listen to him. Yes. Because his fusha does not falter. It, it, it's his like reading a book. so easy. Subhanallah. Yeah. Subhanallah. Listening to him and is like reading a book. And, and, and like you're saying, in terms of listening skills that you acquire being overseas, Molina, and in terms of speech as well. For me, when I started studying Kubra, it was easier for me before I went to go sit and break my head over the million words I needed to check up in the dictionary mm, mm, for mm. me it was easier to listen to him at the masjid like go to the mosque and listen to mm. him live or if I didn't catch him live for example actually listen to the audio recording or listen to the video recording same yeah, thing yeah. and then get the understanding and the overview and then actually tackle the book so Beautiful. it is true what you're saying in terms of like just the ability to understand and to kind of follow that does also assist you a lot in terms of your ability to re to do research and you You're know right. source information. Yeah, and it does wonders the moment you meet a scholar, um, his book just takes a different light. This is my experience. Like every single scholar that I met whose book I had access to or, or whose book I have read before. Like, for example, uh uh Muhammad Sabuni, for example, that's that's another you know, I mean, I mean we read his tafsir, Safwat al-Tafasir. It's like, okay, nice tafsir. The moment you read his book, but then you meet him, now all of a sudden, every book that you have of his just becomes so much more, uh, I don't know, full of radiance, full of nur. It's, it's, it's an ajib thing. And and I, I, I remember having this opportunity once, you know, back in those days, internet wasn't like it is today. It was like, mm. uh, it was slower and it was much more expensive and things like that. And I had this opportunity at UCT and I could just go and use as much internet as I wanted. And I downloaded all the possible lectures that I could find of uh, Dr. the late Dr. Bouti, uh, just to listen to those because it was just so profound. Um, like you said, it's, it doesn't feel like you're listening to someone. It feels like you're listening to a book being narrated. And that's just how we spoke. 
it's just so amazing. So I have a question, right, with, with regards to your studies, uh, your, your studying of Arabic. So you get the, did you know any Arabic and how was it possible for you to get into an Arab country to learn Arabic with no Arabic, if, if that was the case? Mm. So obviously, like I, I completed at Islamia College. So anybody who went right. to Islamia College will say that, you know, that's as far as it went, alhamdulillah. <laughs> there was something, but fa'ala, fa'ala, fa'alu. Shukran, and Sheikh Fawdul Abdul Latif. You know, they, they did their part. But when I arrived in Syria, there was, I would say, zero understanding. In terms okay. of if somebody spoke to me, I would I didn't understand anything at all. Yeah. When they said, La yujad makan, you know, I didn't know what they were saying, that there wasn't place. Yeah. Yeah. I was just smiling while they were giving me the bad news. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't understand anything, to be honest. And at the time, subhanAllah, when we just arrived in Syria, we would have been completely lost and drowned. We would have drowned, to be honest, if it wasn't for my father, Allah Rahamu, who actually studied yeah. with, with Sheikh Ibrahim Moses' father, Sheikh Hanif Moses. All the years, oh, and she found in. So yeah, had a bit of Arabic. So there was, you know, you could get us through to the hotels, to, right. the, to the dormitories, to the ho you know, to the restaurants. So Alhamdulillah, that was that was like a stumbling block that we kind of averted. But then when we, what happened was we arrived, so to say, early. We arrived in August when university or, or when the year starts in September. So we started the we arrived the beginning of August. So we were there the entire August and the entire September, and so. So when September started, we had to go to Abu Nur. It's a three-year program, first, second, and third year, where you learn Arabic, and then you can, you know, decide to, which university you want to go to. So okay. what happened was we were in the dormitory, and the and we just myself and Malma Mayra, and there were no other uh, English-speaking people, like no other. It was only wow. Russians, Indonesians, Malaysians, you name it. You know, there was that country. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, um, yeah, Asians and Russians, etc. Right. So the only way to get by was to somehow communicate. You can only say so many times, I'm doing that, you know. You can only say that so many times. But if you see the food coming into the kitchen and they say, then you'll eventually realize Ta'am means food and Ja'a means arrived. And so that is basically how we picked up. So I remember by the time I went for the... It's like throwing you in the deep end and you're just going to have to learn to swim. Swim or drown type of thing. Definitely, I think I think that's what my parents did. I think they just literally used to throw us in the ocean as well when we were younger. And it's like, just Ajeev. swim, yani. you're not playing or drowning. So that is exactly what took place in Syria. Uh, subhanallah. Uh, there was that. That was, uh, alhamdulillah. Yeah, so you were thrown into the deep end and, and you had to learn how to swim. And, and you swam, mashallah. Look, subhanAllah, I do think that the Quran played a huge part in that, in that even though I didn't know um, the Arabic language much, but there was an affinity to the Arabic language in terms of ability right, to memorize, yes. which was in a I've kind of the groundwork. I've seen that, yes. Like the students yes. who had hiv, they just kind of have an easier time learning the Arabic because they don't, they don't struggle with the, with the word. Like it was an issue for me to first read out ismun. And for them it was like ismun. And they were just like... Um, you know, so it's smoother on the tongue than it was for someone who still had to get used to that as well. Um, definitely, Maulana. Like just, I mean, if you're just looking at a word like taqatala, tafa'ala, just a general word. You don't know mm. what it means, but to say it is easy. So to memorize it, right. probably you you know of a similar word that you memorize in hifd anyway. But, but you know, Maulana, just like, you know, moving swiftly forward, what I do recall is I was speaking to a, a friend from Japan. 
this was before my placement test in September um, at Abu Noor. And she was talking to me and subhanAllah, I was so excited because for the first time in like a month or so, I understood most of what she was saying. Most. Oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't really reply much, but most of what she was saying. And I also remember, you know, I was so excited that day. And I remember when I went for the actual placement exam in September, the first year that I arrived, I was supposed to be placed basically in first year, then do second and third. But Alhamdulillah, because I was there for about two months, I managed to get enough learning, I'm listening in and speech in, that they actually, you know, um, allowed me to go to second year. So I was placed in oh, second wow. year, Alhamdulillah. And so that allowed me to basically save on a year. Um, and that was all because I came early. And so I had basically in the two months covered a little bit of reading set. And that was also the other great thing about the dormitories because we so were, you were like one of those nerd students that just got pushed over to the next year and everybody else had to struggle and just push through because they're circling, circling. And you're just like, oh, no, you've got on. Advanced. Oh, Alhamdulillah. <laughs> um, I, I, what I can say, no, Molina, I will say this. I will say this. You know, it's it's too easy to say, Mashallah. You know, that person is just bright. That person yeah, is just yeah, intelligent. Yeah. You know, but that comes is, down to hard work. Easy, Molina. Yeah, if course. I talk about hard work, you can ask anybody in the dormitory. We yeah. had two British um, students in the dormitory, mm. Halima and Fahima. They mm. know at the beginning I did not easily fraternize with him. I used to mm. have a tag around my neck, Molina. I literally wrote, written, I do not speak English. That was the level, subhanAllah, that I went to. I was like, I did not wow. travel thousands of miles to speak English in this dormitory. And it was only really in my second year of being in Syria that I started opening up to be to, to friendships with the Americans and the British. But before sure. that, I, I really kept myself to the Somalians. They were strong in Arabic. The Russians also were very hardworking. And then I also always looked out for the Syrians, you know, the local speakers. So that was Ajib. actually, you know, an intention on my side that, you know, I came all the way. I wanted yes. to take full advantage. And of course, like, you know, subhanAllah, well, like, I just want to say one thing. I know I'm, I'm taking up most of the time. No, but, you know, the other, thing, the other thing that was really beautiful about Syria, and, 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 and again, I don't want to compare to other countries because I have been to other countries, you know, mm. uh, where students were studying, but in Syria, there was this complete acceptance, but not only acceptance, but welcoming of of, of non-Arab speakers, of foreigners, in terms oh, wow. of us speaking Fusha. Like you said, you know, you know Molina, you feel like you're yes, Syria yes. and you're speaking Shakespeare. Molina, that is a reality even as a, as a, as a, as a student learning Arabic in an Arab right. country. That is a reality. Oh, wow. You do feel like you, you know, you come with your Shakespeare, Quran, Arabic. Yes, but Molina, yes, yes. if I say that, that was not an issue in Syria. They wow. loved you know, the students, we would speak Fusha. And that is why I think today uh, people tell you that who come, come into contact with me, Alhamdulillah, I still speak Fusha. I never came back from Syria actually picking up Amiya and speaking, you know, um, the slang because there was never a need for me to speak slang in Syria because wow, Fusha nice. was, it was good. Even they would reply to you in Fusha. So anybody under 50 would reply in Fusha. If they were like old, like, you know, like in the older aunties yes. and uncles in Cape Town, they would just speak to you in Afrikaans. Even right, they, right. they would reply maybe in Amiya, in slang. 
But they wouldn't look at you strangely when you're speaking Fosha. Maulan, I remember when I went to buy a shawarma. I was so proud of myself. I went to buy a shawarma for 25 liters in Fosha. I speak the whole time to him. I'm speaking to this person and I'm so right. proud of my purchase. When I'm walking back, I'm realizing, subhanAllah, I just bought this shawarma. This man was just looking at me straight. But I was talking to him the whole time like he's a female. And he never laughed at me once. But that was right. the that was the qissa of Syria. That was really the story in Syria. They would not they would not give you a funny look no matter how much you you know you subhanallah you just like achieve, achieve. broke the yeah, language. That's that's just so beautiful. And really I, I hope inshallah one day I have similar opportunities and just I mean, try to I mean, submerge I mean. myself in that type of environment. Even when I go to Makkah, it's it's strange, man. Like Everyone is speaking Amiya, and then mm. I just feel like, you know, what's the point, man? I'm just going to sound like an idiot if I'm going to speak here. And then you, uh, they actually laugh. Like, they, they either laugh or they give you, like, strange looks or something like that. But anyway, that's, I, I think, I, I do uh, Mala Ali Malina. always said, yeah, Mala Ali always just thought, you know what, just, just do it. And just, it's Malina, fine, you know? You are 100% right there, but the environment plays a huge role. And that is why I said, Molina, I have experienced that in other countries, not in Syria, subhanAllah. You know, in mm. Syria, I mean, I, I, obviously people would say I'm biased, but this is my experience for six, for six years. I of spoke Fusha. I, 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 I basically never, ever spoke Amiya because there wasn't a need to speak Amiya. And I always felt like, what's the point of speaking Amiya? Because if I come back to Canada, yeah. nobody's going to understand me. And yes. Alhamdulillah, like even today when I speak to the Arabs, they don't have an issue. I speak to them in Fusha. They reply in Fusha. Sometimes they reply in Amiya, but that doesn't deter me from replying in, in Fusha. Alhamdulillah. No, that's great. And for me, it's like, look here, the only reason why I'm going to study Arabic is for Allah's book and the Prophet's hadith. And if I can't speak the language of that book and that hadith, then what's the use of, of the Arabic? Like, you know, it's, it's just a language like any other language, unless it's connected to Kalamullah or Kalam of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But anyway, that's, uh, that's another uh, old discussion in and of itself. Um, what, what I really find amazing is that you you had this journey and you you've been through all of that and now you come back home and it's like it must be really different for you always looking back to that time that you had there and you know knowing all the tragedy that has taken place there since then and that you know the doors have been locked it must be so hot so and you know I mean how do you how do you actually deal with that and now you you are away from all of that 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 you had that time and now you have to be Basira Institute. Tell us about that transition. Subhanallah, Maulana, really, you know, if, if you're looking at that time, you know, there was a lot of, I remember in, when I was at Al-Fatih University, Alhamdulillah, that, that, that is like basically one, I would say, one of the most well-known universities in Damascus because like all mm. the big names was there, like Sheikh Ramadan Bulti was there, Sheikh Ismail Majdoub was there, Sheikh Nablusi was there, you know, we mm. used to have the Qadi of Lebanon coming in to teach Ahwal Shakhsiya on a Thursday, Drive wow. two hours into university and drive two hours back to Lebanon because of the proximity of the countries, Malina, Subhanallah. But but Khair, um, so because of that, we actually the students of Al Fatihan, especially the students, the English speaking students who graduated kind of from Al Fatihan, who were studying at Al Fatih, they were always headhunted by you know like b British you know um, institutes and, and and American institutes, and uh, I know there were some who actually went over. 
for me personally, I always, my intention was always, you know, I, I'm always and I will always remain Bintul Mujtama, you know, yeah. uh, a daughter of the community. Oh, so sure. my intention was always to return to South Africa because I'm like, what? They don't need me in Syria. Yani. They right, yeah. ulama. I need to come back and give back to my community. Alhamdulillah. So that was always my very firm intention. And mm. I think like the question of like, how things, you know, change there and how the sad state of affairs. To be honest, subhanAllah, Maulana, if, if I say that it was plain sailing in Syria, then that wouldn't be completely true. Every year coming back into Syria was a, a year filled with anxiety, not knowing oh, wow. if you are going to be able to return into the country. To, to the country. Mm. Will you be able to, you know, uh, uh, continue with your studies? Even being in, in, in Syria, sometimes there they would be like, you know, some... You know, some some politi political challenges in terms of remaining and continuing your studies in Syria. So that was always there, subhanAllah. And then when, with everything happening in Syria, uh, you know, it's extremely sad. And for me, it's not just a, a, a personal sadness. It's not just a personal mm. sadness. But it's actually a sadness for the ummah at large. Because for Absolutely. me, alhamdulillah, I, I know that... Obviously, I wouldn't love to continue and to return. Yes. But Alhamdulillah, I know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifted me with some years in Syria. And even, mm. you know, no matter what happens in Syria, this narrative, you know, that we always speak about amongst us as students of Syria have been, having been there at the same time, we say, you know, what Syria would there be even mm. if tomorrow, you know, you're allowed to return? The scholars, the place, the, the heritage sites, just everything you know you know the mindset emotionally mentally to be completely different syria so while it is ex exceptionally tragic exceptionally mm. tragic i also say alhamdulillah to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having granted me those years in syria that i could do what i did and that i could that i could take what i could you know and that brings me back to even what you mentioned here what we we're going to speak about later the the hifth workshop you know mm. and that is because i as i said i am a bintul mujtama i very much take mm. myself as a daughter of the community and i was one of the students of sheikh yusuf Bully who still had the fortune the good fortune to learn under him when he was the sole teacher of his class when he didn't Mashallah. have other teachers coming in to assist so we really got him you know at the time of his prime so to say so in terms Aina. of what we took from him subhanallah like i feel like it would be the greatest tragedy like aina i think it has yani two yeah meanings yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you know subhanallah so i feel like it would be the greatest tragedy if we as students or rather when we as students eventually mm. pass away eventually pass on allah grant us all janatul firdaus inshallah amin, 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 and all amin. our teachers amin but to pass amin, on and then to have the knowledge of Sheikh Puli, his methodology, the preciseness with which he taught, the level with which he taught, and of course, adding your own flavor to that. But mm, essentially, mm. that quality and standard, having that die with us, I think that would be a complete disservice to the memory of Sheikh Yusuf Puli. Allah, Allah Akbar. Amin, amin. No, subhanAllah. And I was teasing earlier on, you know, when I said like you're one of those nerd students that just got pushed to, to the top. But there's a, there's a lesson that we can actually draw from that that I'd like to share with, with everyone, right? That is often a thought, right? That people just like, oh yeah, he's just bright. She's just bright. They're just mm -hmm. intelligent, you know. Uh, khalas, that's, that's one of those students. But the reality is, look at look at the example that you made. I mean, I didn't even expect you to, to come out with that example, but you did. You, you had this. You had a sign around your neck that said, "I, I don't speak a photo, English." But it's not good enough for social media. Ajib, Ajib. And, and 
that I can, well, I can relate to that. And I saw this, uh, with it be as a teacher at, at the Darul Ulum or as a student, that those who sacrifice, they prosper and they, they just excel. And sacrifices are necessary. You know, in my second year, yeah, my second year, by the time I reached second year, I had no more social life at all. I had no friends. I didn't go out on weekends. I didn't have any extra hobbies or activities. So I, I was just in my room studying all the time. And I recall, uh, it was it was early on in second year, and my brother just asked me something like, uh, do you understand the stuff that, you, that you're reading or that, you, that you're listening to or whatever? And I said, yes. And he's like, but how is it possible you just started learning like now recently? I said, well, you can see I don't do anything else but this. And um, that, I mean, I, I wasn't, uh, I'm not saying I was like a brilliant student or anything, but the level of sacrifice that one, uh, that is required, you know, like, like our teachers always say, um, if you give ilm, all of you, ilm will give you back some Sam. of it. Subhanallah. Yeah, just a little no. bit. And uh, that is so true. So, mashallah. Now, uh, alhamdulillah, I learned so much and I really enjoyed uh, the discussion about your journey. And I, I would love to, 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 to hear so many more stories, inshallah. I hope we get that opportunity uh, again. But now, uh, mashallah, you've been giving back to the community in the form of the Basira Institute. And uh, finally, we come around to your, your current programs. So tell us a bit about your Hivd workshop that's coming up, inshallah ta'ala. Khair. Um, yes, you, you're right, Marlon. I think we, for me personally, I can just go on, go on talking about myself no. at Damascus, at Abu Nur, and Al Fatah. But um, coming back to the point, really, of um, what you you mentioned now, the Hifth workshop, I think that is like almost like rewinding my journey completely, mm. rewinding mm. my journey completely. And that was, you know, starting with Hifth, going to Abu Nur, and then going to university in Syria, and then eventually returning back to South Africa. Right. I was, you know, uh, on my return, I spent seven years, you know, consecutively at Jamayat Al-Qura Female Hiv Institute. I served there as the principal of the female section. And then thereafter, I also um, took upon the role of um, Hiv consultant to all the campuses um, at uh, Jamayat Al-Qura. Alhamdulillah, and I still have a good relationship with them. Alhamdulillah. Uh, so, so, so when I was at Jamaat al-Qura, I kind of developed, you know, the methodology of Jamaat al-Qura. And just two years ago, or was it the two years, maybe one and a half, two years ago, Sheikh, uh, had, there was an international methodology conference. And then I also presented the methodology at Jamaat al-Qura at the conference. Mashallah. But al alhamdulillah, you know, the point of all of that is that during my time as um uh, spending uh, during the time spent at Jamiat al-Qura in the capacity of a principal and the after the Hiv consultant, what I um, personally saw, Molana, what I personally saw and what my heart broke for was mm. the fact that everything that we took for granted as as educators of Hiv, but Good then I also um, not just educators of Hiv. But then be, um, the fact that we actually did have ourselves, we kind right. of took it for granted that parents knew what to do. And we kind of right, took it right, for granted right. that students also knew what to do. And mm. so I was dealing with these matters all the time where there were challenges and we'd have meetings with parents and meeting with students. But at the end of the day, I realized that if you go into the WCD, you know, um, fraternity, 
There's something like workshop. There's something like teacher training. There's something like curriculum. There's something like, you know, um, teacher guide, study guide. But in Hebrew, yeah. it's just like, here's your Quran. <laughs> All the best to you. Yeah, Subhanallah. yeah, yeah. And, hey, and know your sabbat tomorrow like, when you come to class. How you do it? Yeah. You must just find a way. So then I realized that no, no. You know, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that if a servant does anything, he should do it, he should do it with perfection. And no. I was thinking, we so on itqan and perfection in everything. Why everything, are we not yeah. placing more emphasis, you know, on Kitabullah, the book of Allah right. subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why are we not supporting this journey? Um, and, and so this is where, you know, this workshop actually um came to mind but before the workshop it actually you know came to mind because of the book i think no uh I workshop yes book, i have a copy which of I kind of pinned, yes i think maybe the angle i'm not look, knowing which angle to look at um it's, <laughs> it's, it's called you know a hived guide assisting your loved ones on the hip journey and really um you know i pinned this in 2016 uh, the, I didn't paint it in 2016, in 2018, because Daul Arqam uh, was asking me to come do a Hifth workshop. And I said, right. a Hifth workshop? What's a Hifth workshop? Right, then right. I had to make up something called a Hifth nice. workshop. But basically, equal parents. So, so the 2016 I went, and 2017, I started adding more information to the, nice. to the, to, to, to the workshop. Necessity is the mother of all invention, they say. Subhanallah, ahsan, yeah. yani, Definitely, Maulana. So then I realized, why am I repeating myself in 2016 and 2017? Plus, the parents started saying, great, uh, you know, um, talk, great uh, workshop, we hear you, but we completely forgot everything you said. Can you write it down? And then I said, mm. subhanAllah. And then this was, you know, one of my, you know, this is still one of my loved uh, um, works, alhamdulillah, mm -mm -mm. because I wrote it in about four months of, Right. Only sleeping, subhanAllah. Oh, mashallah. And, um, and, then, and then this was really born. Uh, the Hif, the guide, assisting your loved ones on the Hif journey. It really is about assisting the parent as well as the student in every stage of the learning. And Molina, there's so, such a lot to say about it. There's such a lot to say about it. And I have, you know, as one of the ahadith, You know, no. every one of you is a shepherd and, and is responsible for his flock. So this is very true for Hivd and, and the parent, you know, and how they can support that learner. So, um, you know, uh, um, 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 so, so, so on my side, um, I found that they lack directive, they lacked a clear plan, and they also lacked, you know, um, some kind of guidance for the parent and for the learner from day right. one until the day that they graduate. So that was really, you know, the, the, the reason and the Nia behind writing this. Beautiful. I mean, I had a look at it briefly, uh, and uh, subhanAllah, what I love about it is it's simple, it's, it's not intimidating, and it's very, very practical. It's just, I look at it and I want to read it. I look at it and I want to follow it. And I'm like, uh, one of the questions I was going to tell you is, you know, can someone, um, an adult, for example, just pick this up? And, use and I was like, yeah, they can. You know, you can actually just pick this up and start learning your hive because it's so well laid out. So mabrook, uh, alf mabrook on this. May Allah ta'ala accept. I was in, I think it was the first time I went uh, to Mecca or Medina. And then I was in a bookshop. Now, I think you would know that 
they don't really have substantial bookshops close to the haram. It's like you need mm. to get someone to no. take you there. You, you'd think that they do, but they don't. Um, so I, I was in a bookshop and then I saw a little uh, a booklet uh, and I bought it. It was about how to, how to memorize Quran in Arabic. And I looked at this book and I, I opened it up and I started reading. I thought, wow, this is amazing. Right? This is like, it was so logical that you should have a book like this. But then I remembered that you don't have anything like this in the English language. I kid you not, wallahi, I bought the book with the Nia that I would translate it. <laughs> I bought the book with the Nia that I'm going to translate this book someday and I'm going to make it available. And uh, alhamdulillah, uh, through a different path, Allah Ta'ala has made something available in the English language through someone far more qualified to do so that, that, than I am. Um, somebody who's actually walked the journey already, so may Allah accept. And um, so your workshop, right, is is basically taking this book and presenting it in a style that, that is it specifically for parents of Hufad? Uh, does it also apply to parents who are perhaps thinking of getting their, their, their children into a health program? Uh, does it also work for, for young men and women who are kind of indecisive whether they want to get into health or not? Uh, tell us a bit more about who it's for. Khair Maulina. So, subhanAllah, like you said, firstly, this workshop is open to all males and females. Uh, the reason for that also is because, alhamdulillah, there is really no, um, you know, equivalent, so to say, that's being made available to the community. So, I feel like that is the amana, alhamdulillah. Um, so, in terms of, um, um, yes, the yes, here comment coming from a sister. So, this is what she's saying there. My daughter was a student, you know, and as a parent, she felt she was not equipped. So, this was the very mm. reason that this book was kind of born, Molina. That I, I saw that there was such easy steps that if the parents had known, it would have, you know, radically and dynamically changed, you know, the journey that they experienced as well as, well as the child. So in terms of Molina, is it specific for students who are learning full-time? No. Specific for learners, specifically for, for, for part-time? Not necessarily. You can, even if you are learning on your own at home, because there's a mm. lot of different things that we touch on. You know, the main thing that, I, there's a few things that I touch on, and that is number one, what is your projection in terms of a full-time or part-time student? Are you looking at doing it in five years, in four years? Years or in three years um, and then I kind of give out give you that five-year projection that's the long-term right. target then I look at every year like first year what are you going to do in the first year but breaking it down to what are you going to do in the first quarter and then breaking it down further in the first month and then breaking it down into the week what you must do every day so that seems like you know very much detailed Molina. but imagine this Subhanallah, not only was I a teacher and a, and, and, and a principal, but I myself was a student. So I asked, understand the mindset of a student. I remember I was busy with my 30th Jews at Jerusalem. Right. I was 11 years old. I just started my first Jews. And then what I did was I started counting how many pages I have to finish. Yes, hello. Molina, I'm not, I kid you not. I kid you not. This is how students feel, Molina. I know that yeah. because I was there. And Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preserved that memory in my mind. That I know when a student does have, they start calculating, Molina. But imagine mm. a student in first year starts looking at 29 Jews that he must complete or 30 Jews. That's sure. overwhelming. And of it course. will put you into a panic, Molina. Yeah. Right? So what I kind of do is I look at what's your projection. Is it five years? Is it four years? Is it three years? And mm. according to your ability, there's, you know, different uh, considerations in the book. 
Then beyond that, Molina, I, I break it down into what you're going to do in the first year. So leave second, third, and fourth year. That is not your concern. Focus on first year. Khair. What are you going to do in the first quarter, the first month, the first week, the first day? And, and then, then in the book, there's templates for the parent to also track the learner and the learner also to track themselves. And you know, Molina, why not to reward a child? Or you yourself reward yourself if you're tracking yourself. If you're meeting your targets at the end of the week, make yourself a family meal. Chocolate. I'm not saying... Exactly. It doesn't have to be expensive, <laughs> Molina. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. It's just right. that positive reinforcement all the time. So that is in terms of, you know, projecting a target and, and working towards that. I also speak in the book... Um, about the the proper way of memorizing new lesson and the incorrect way of I memorizing saw I saw that lesson. yeah that is quite good well, there really is good. a there's a lazy way that that's right. going to make you know the new lesson on Monday and completely forget the Tuesday and mm. there's the proper way where you'll know it on Monday and you'll still know it on Friday and so this right. is not inventions of my own it's experiences of myself and many other hufal will attest to that it's just that I happened to pin it down Molina. So I'm not going to, you know, claim that I am, you know, the one that know that knew and Yeah, well Allah chose you. Just, Allah chose your hand and your pin and your knowledge. Alhamdulillah, so Alhamdulillah. 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 My HP, Alhamdulillah. Mashallah. Subhanallah <laughs> so, Molina. But when is, when, that, when is this Molina, happening? The workshop. Yes. The workshop is happening the 27th and the 28th uh, of March, which is this weekend. No, not this weekend. Today is Friday. So next weekend, the 27th and the 28th, Molina, um, on, in, on a Saturday and Sunday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. South African time, inshallah. So because of current environment, COVID, I also um, had last year a remote learning workshop. So because it's half, half this year, with schools having students back, you know, and then also having them from home, I've combined this workshop with uh, a normal traditional face-to-face and then also some tips for remote learning because that in itself, Molina, was such a huge challenge. I think for the normal schools, but even greater for the Hif school, subhanAllah, a huge challenge. But alhamdulillah, we, 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 you know, we changed to accommodate and we saw what works and what doesn't work, alhamdulillah. No, I'm so I'll just add the poster here so people can just check it out quickly. You have the have the workshop for uh, students and parents, two-day course via Zoom. Mashallah, I like the online thing. I'm, this is what Isnad Academy is actually intended to be. Make um, dua that we can see fruition. We're busy with the website and we want to host uh, amen, workshops amen. And, and courses such as this um, for various Mashallah. institutes and teachers uh, online Allah so that it can be accessible. Amin, amin. Your great platform, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And the whole idea is that we can have uh, people from around the world having access to our teachers and our students as uh, we have access to, to others from overseas. Uh, so all the details can be found there. Um, and of course, if people want to, they could also contact you with the details on screen there as well. Uh, basiroinstitute.sa at gmail.com and the cell number uh, that you see there uh, also. So uh, is there anything else that that Anybody listening who's perhaps interested in the workshop should know about at this point. Um, I would say, Molina, there's, there's a lot that I can speak about, but in a nutshell, if I maybe just run through in literally 20 seconds, some of the things mm-hmm. I will touch on, you know, speaking about the importance of parental involvement, the requirements of a HIF student, I'll speak about long and short-term planning, I'll speak about the methodology of memorizing 
um, correctly and incorrectly, you know, which way you should follow. I'll speak extensively uh, also on time management and how to break down your day and your morning in, in, in order to cover all the work without burning yourself or your daughter or your son out. And then very importantly, how you as a parent can rotate the listening of work in such a way that neither the learner gets burnt out, the neither the parent gets uh, burnt out. And, you know, there's this good um, dynamic happening because there's also such a, a thing as being overzealous, Molina. Like mm. you want your child to recite everything out. And then yeah. they recite three years out at school, three years out with you, three years out in terms of preparation. By the end of that, the day, Molina, you know, all will protect everybody. But then at the end of the day, a month down the line, mommy, I can't anymore. It's too hard. I want to mm. give up, go back to school. That is, and yeah. so my, my, my way is very much balanced. Don't burn them okay. out. Don't burn yourself out. But, you know, be smart. Don't necessarily work hard, hard, but work right. smart, smart. Inshallah. Excellent. I love that. Amen. Work smart, not hard. Um, yeah, this is a very important question. And if anybody else has any questions, now's the time, inshallah. Um, I hope and pray that we're going to be able to get uh, Shaykh Haruqaya back uh, with us because I can see we have a lot to talk about and I'm really enjoying this conversation, as are the, the viewers and the listeners, alhamdulillah. Um, so here's a, a very important question, um, and this will benefit me as well. I mean, I'm an adult who still has this as a mission in life to memorize the Quran. So what advice do you have for adults that just want to memorize more Quran? Bearing in mind, I'm going to add to this question, bearing in mind that, you know, people work and they have kids and they have commitments and it's like very limited time. So what can you tell us? Marina, subhanAllah, you know, um, the... Your intention necessarily doesn't have to be like all or nothing. Yani that which cannot mm. be completely and uh, achieved shouldn't be completely left out. So mm. I, I, I again narrate the story, you know, of, of, of my mother. And her example is The best of mm. deeds is that which is most consistent, even if it is a little. In this very room that I'm sitting, subhanAllah, I used to wake up at half past four in the morning and memorize one and a half pages. I remember I was in Lantana, the fourth Jews. One and a half pages I used to memorize. And then she used to wake up and sit with me and memorize two lines of Tabarak. And then... SubhanAllah, the next day I will learn another one and a half pages and then she will sit and learn her two lines. And then she used to joke that, SubhanAllah, obviously in Afrikaans, she would say to me, you memorize one and a half pages Monday and then Tuesday you remember the one and a half pages and you learn another one and a half pages. On Monday I memorized two lines, on Tuesday I said to memorize the other two lines, but I forgot Monday's two lines. <laughs> SubhanAllah. But the point Allah of it Allah is, Maulina, every morning, Allah Rahma, every morning she used to get up with me and she used to sit and learn. In the time I learned one and a half lines, she would sit and learn the two lines, SubhanAllah. Ajib, ajib. And at the end of the day, she memorized, you know, Tabarak, Maulina, and you know mashallah. that she was one of the students, the good students of Dar Naim, mashallah. Right, but the right. point of it is, Malena, the she used to put aside specific time daily, even if mm. it was 20 minutes in the morning before Fajr or 20 minutes after Fajr. And as a student of Hiv, we didn't know the hadith at the time, but we loved the hadith where Rasulullah said, Oh, Allah, Allah placed barakah for my ummah in the early morning hours. To Allah learn Allah. in the morning. In the early morning, it's not like learning after Fajr. It's not like learning the word, and it's not like learning at night. So when the whole house is sleeping, as an adult, we, our lives are busy. Our lives are hectic. Everything is just, you know, go, go. The, the, the goal doesn't have to be to complete hifd at a specific mm. age 
or to finish a juice at a specific age. Just say, I'm going to make Nia, that I'm going to memorize, for example, this juice, or I'm going to memorize Surah Kahf, or I'm going to memorize Surah Yasin, or I'm going to memorize Surah, you know, Ar-Rahman, or just typically people normally start with Juz Amma, you know, I'm mm. going to memorize Juz Amma, especially with Ramadan coming up. Every morning, just make intention, you're going to learn two lines of Juz Amma. The next day, you learn another two lines, and you revise the day, the days before two lines. Every day, if you come to the 10th line of Juz Amma, for example, then you learn the 10th line, but then you read from line 1 to line 9 every day because that is really it's about retention, about retaining. But again, who are those who are successful in hifd? The people who are successful in hifd, in my observation, are the very same people who are successful at university. It's not the clever ones. It's the hardworking mm. ones. Mashallah. At high school, you can cram and you can get the A. Can't do yeah. that with Hivd and you cannot do that with university. So if you have, you know, you know, just ability to read and you and your heart is there, Hivd, inshallah. Allah says I made easy the memorization of the Quran and the recitation, so we will remember it. So you know, just take it a little bit every day. And when you say, you know, I've memorized the surah, I've memorized the Jews, that sense of achievement, mashallah. It's great. And don't compare yourself with another person. You know, it's your journey. It's your um, intention. It's your sincerity. It's your path towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many I have can recite, you know, you know, greatest of tajweed and, you know, be, you know, no mistakes. But subhanallah, what's more important and what what is, or not what is more important, but what is also extremely important is that sincerity. So don't think mm. that your one juice is weighing any less than, you know, somebody else's, you know, many ajiza. Your sincerity by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala counts and counts Allah for Akbar. a lot. Ya salam, ya salam. Beautiful advice there. Just a question from my side. So in Ramadan, people often strive to recite the khatam of the Quran. And often, even those who like, you know, they struggle with the Quran, uh, you know, so they struggle with the Quran, but they push through and they read the, the khatam, right? So they spend a significant uh, amount of, of time in Ramadan with that. That's really good. But then there's also the idea of like spending the same time with a different focus and perhaps maybe not finishing the Quran, but like reading Say, for example, a certain selected number of suar or juz amma repeatedly so that they actually become fluent in that. So they read it with a teacher or they start memorizing you know, alternatives to, to finishing. What, in your opinion, would be uh, an alternative for somebody looking for? A, would, you, would you advise that they do that or should people just stick to the, you know, the, the finishing a khatam in Ramadan? You know, subhanAllah, you know, I'm only a student of knowledge. So I can only say what the ulama say. And they themselves, you know, have spoken about this. I just recently was reading something in a, a Maliki text, Maharimul Lisan, where they're speaking about, um, you know, you know, reading fast or reading slowly and the mountain. Should you read it slowly or should you read it fast? And so what actually was interesting for me that a lot of ulama actually opine that to recite and to recite a lot of Quran in itself, you know, is reward because of the well-known, you know, hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that with every letter, you know, there is a reward. So there is that opinion that, you know, is is a well-known opinion. On my side, I would say 
get as much Quran recitation as you are able in the month of Ramadan. That that is that's the month of the Quran. But at the same time, you can also you know specify and designate specific time to, like you said, uh, perfecting or memorizing. Quran, but definitely if there is any month where we want to increase in the recitation of the Quran and increase in the reward, then definitely the month of, of Ramadan. And there, there are the other months that we can also focus as well as we focus in Ramadan. But you know, that opportunity of Ramadan and making khatam, you know, that comes once a year. So that that isn't my opinion, but it's an opinion of the ulama, which I'm just, you know, leaning towards at, at this particular time. Khair, shukran so much uh, for that and I hope uh, that Allah Ta'ala grants you all the khair and barakah in all of your endeavors. I know some of the amazing projects you're busy with is the translation of Fikul Manhaji and uh, your your Arabic program, which we didn't even get a chance to touch on, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah, Even though Malina. we've been speaking for one and a half hours. <laughs> SubhanAllah, Malina, but I need to say one thing, though, um, on that thing. And I just want to say that, you know, we spoke about a lot of things about my journey and my studies. But, you know, we, uh, Ash, we should have said this at the beginning. Ash, they should have said this, but I'm going to say it now. You know, Basira Institute, we are, you know, primarily focused at this time, yes, in supporting the Hif fraternity as you spoke about the Hif workshop, but one mm-hmm. of our primary focus is really about um, promoting and molding female scholars in the community, you know, producing strong female teachers in the community. For me, that's a Excellent. personal project because I feel like, you know, tomorrow I'm going to die. Who am I leaving behind? Who have mm. I given over to? And like you mentioned earlier, Molina, in terms of females giving to f- females, there isn't that availability as the ease of males giving to males. So for me, it's not just about producing, you know, somebody who can, you know, understand, uh, you know, Fiqhul Manager, which I'm translating, which is, mashallah, one of the projects of Basira, along with the Hifth works that we that we that we pinned. Um, but for me to 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 have a, uh, to have a student um, who can actually access the the text themselves, who can actually mm. understand the Arabic language themselves, and so do independent research. And so this is really one of the primary objectives of Basira Institute is for. Female-focused education initiatives as well as female-driven. So not only driven and taught by myself, but focusing on females so that we can have those females in the community who haven't necessarily gone to Syria and to Egypt, but to give them a similar experience of scholarship as close as we can, Maulana, because, subhanAllah, you know, the borders are just, you know, subhanAllah, closing, closing mm. down the I, you, so, There's no so, way that so. I'm going to let you get away with just that small sticky of, okay, this is my Arabic stuff <laughs> that we're doing. No, no, no. We're going to have to have a follow-up with uh, regards to that. Uh, right. You know, education, tertiary level education in Arabic and Islamic studies for women, by women. That is a passion, like passion a, for us, Malana, because for absolutely. me, like you know, you just spoke about the fact that I was at Dar Naim and I've been at Jamal Al-Quran, so Alhamdulillah, I have a good idea and taste for the institutes in Cape Town, Alhamdulillah. And I just found like in, in Dar Naim, for example, the females were brilliant, you know, in, mm. it, was, it, was, it was a standing joke that whoever's first, it's a female. If it's a male, then it's like, subhanAllah. The female is going to come in that. first year, first and second year, but subhanAllah, Maulana, khair. I'm not going to comment on that. There's an untruth khair. to that. I won't say okay. what the untruth okay, is. Okay, so Maulana, you were just, first. Just, just, no, 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 let's just leave it at that. <laughs> okay, I wasn't too long, to Maulana, at Naim. I wasn't too long at Naim. I was only there for six years. <laughs> I do know that there was a time that males also came first. But maybe, there was also maybe. females who came first. 
No, absolutely. Okay. No, the standard was Literally. it was like an uncommon thing. There was even yeah. yeah, it was it was just it was almost okay. like a sad thing. You had to struggle and strive to 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 make you know. But Alhamdulillah, it was really and I think it's a brilliant thing, man. Like no matter where this khair, the ladies, from my experience, the ladies are always there first and they always there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bring it, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's really time that that the spotlight gets shone on the endeavors that uh, that's 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 currently there and that we still need, you know. And and this is why I said right at the beginning that. I'm a total fan of your work because you are really doing Likewise, it for, for the ladies, man. Alhamdulillah. Barakallahu no, You're putting us too much on the spot, but alhamdulillah. But Molina, so, what so I do want to say... we're going to have a follow-up for that one. I'm, I'm going to say that maybe, maybe I must retract my words, but what I do know for sure is that of the top 10, most of them would be females. And that is half. 100%. But anyways, 100%. I will leave it But for me, and this is just like, we'll end here, inshallah, unless Molina has something more to say. I'm not the host. I'm just <laughs> no, no, no. We, we are ending here. Over here. But Molina, what I want to say is, this was for me the dilemma. Like when students, female students finish at Dawna Aim, at Qamar, at Zahra, at these institutes, you know, mm. the males would go to Strand Institute at Ulum there. The males would have different opportunities. Yeah. For me, I just felt like I needed to do something more for the females in terms of them taking up the mantle in the community as female educators, not just teaching necessarily what was taught to them, but being able to open up, you know, uh, a fiqh book on their own, a aqidah mm. text on their own, a, a nahu text on their own, and accessing that information independently, and so doing further research on their own. So so this is really where the focus of Basira lies in terms of female scholarship. So Alhamdulillah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for firstly sincerity and then to Ameen. 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 Jazakumullah khairan. Much appreciated and absolutely we should have that follow up and perhaps really g- dig deep into the topic because it's such an important one uh, in light of you know the world talks about women power and female rights and feminism and stuff like that. But it's just so much that you know, this is your haq that's been given to you by Allah. This is the first thing you should be claiming. This is the first thing you should be fighting for. Not some other rights that is like, you know, uh, let's not go down that road. But uh, Jazakumullah khairan. Uh, again, may Allah ta'ala bless you. Uh, I'm going to ask you to to end off with uh, some dua, inshallah, and we'll, we'll conclude on that, inshallah. Bismillah. Khair. Subhanallah. Well, on my side, uh, I don't feel I'm the... Uh, person to make the dua, Malina, you definitely are the person to make the dua. But on my side, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, to um, grant success to um, all our institutes in Cape Town. Um, I think in, in, in Cape Town, South Africa, and the world at large, because, you know, just in terms of our discussion this evening, it's just bringing back to me that, um, that, that reality that our institutions of knowledge of traditional knowledge specifically that's being attacked. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to preserve our institutions, to preserve Ameen. our ulama, to preserve Ameen. our efforts, and to make us first sincere sincere um, in everything that we do um, so that we can, subhanAllah, be a benefit, but also see the benefit of that in a book Ameen. of deeds on the day of Qiyamah, inshallah, amin. And we make dua, you know, for all those who were instrumental in us being here. We are only products of our environment, our teachers, our parents. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant them only the highest place, Ameen. you know, Jannah will fill those, amin. And that we can follow in the illustrious footsteps, inshallah, amin. Wa akhiru da'wahum, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. 
Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Jazakallahu khairan to all of the viewers, the listeners for joining us. This was a long program. I remember when I, when I said, look, we're going to have a program. Uh, Sheikha asked me like, how long is it going to be? Normally your program is like an hour, but that's like a whole panel of people. It'll be just like two people. How long could it possibly go on for? Yeah, now you know. <laughs> so, uh, but do stay tuned, inshallah, and we will inform you about the follow-up program and we will focus on uh, tertiary education for, for women, by women in Arabic and Islamic studies. And do contact the Balsira Institute and Sheikha Ruqayya about the uh, Hiv Guide and the have the workshop that's coming up very soon inshallah ta'ala and uh, also find out about the other programs and uh, exciting material that they are busy with until next time wa sallallahu ala sayyidina muhammad subhanallahu wa bihamdi subhanaka allahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh